Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the Indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide uh, where, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello and welcome to the Doing Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. This is Marissa and I'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. First up on the show, we're going to be speaking with Ian Rintel, who is the spokesperson for the Refugee Action Coalition. And Ian is going to be speaking about an escape tunnel that was found in Yonga Hill Detention Centre in Western Australia. And we're going to be speaking quite a lot about that and how that is connected to the the mental health issues and other, other issues around refugees and asylum seekers. This elaborate escape tunnel has been uncovered in the Falcon compound of Yonga Hill Detention Centre and the tunnel was discovered... Um, Monday the 10th of May and it's around 3 metres deep and 20 metres long and it led from beneath the floor of room 6F in one of the accommodation blocks in Falcon Compound beyond the two inner fences within 5 metres of the outer perimeter fence and freedom and the tunnel reminiscent of World War II efforts by prisoners of war is believed to have taken several months of painstaking construction work so we'll be speaking to Ian about that and also having a look at um, what happened there. And then after that, we'll be speaking with the human, the, a senior lawyer from the Human Rights Law Centre and Scott Cosgrove is going to be speaking about some new laws that have come in or that may be coming in in regards to... Um, actually having the lives of asylum seekers on hold, basically, and to be put forever behind bars and put forever in detention. My apologies, I had some technical difficulties and lost my notes um, just for a minute there. So, yeah, um, we'll be speaking, but I'll, but I'll be revisiting um, that topic later on. But next up, first up, we'll be speaking with Ian. Join us to protest the forced evictions and ethnic cleansing in Palestine this Saturday, May 22nd at 1pm outside the State Library. Along with your signs and banners, please bring your masks and hand sanitizer to keep the rally COVID safe. For more information, head to Free Palestine Melbourne's Facebook page. A 3CR supporter. <laughs> 
you've just tuned in, this is the Doing Time Show, 3CR Community Radio. Before we get on to Ian from the Refugee um, Action Coalition, just wanted to speak um, and talk about the fact that Human Rights Law Centre's senior lawyer, Scott Cosgrove, will be speaking with us after Ian and basically Scott Morrison government rushes through new laws that allow lifetime detention of refugees. Hello, Ian. Welcome to the program. Yeah, hi, Marissa. It's lovely to have you. No worries, thanks. Now, Ian, I'm wondering if you could just talk about, first of all, what happened with this tunnel and what implications does that mean for asylum seekers and refugees? Well, as I said in the introduction, Marissa, the tunnel was discovered a week ago. Um, it does seem that the you know guards inside had some uh, internal information. They showed up in room six F, um, you know, like they knew that there was a, a tunnel there. So it wasn't sort of uncovered in some routine, you know, sort of uh, inspection of the room or anything like that. Uh, so okay. that's caused that caused that's caused a lot of consternation uh, inside the detention centre, as uh, it would anywhere to. You know, to have someone that uh, looks like they've uh, you know dobbed people into the authorities, but um, it's uh, from what we know, uh, it's it's you know it's quite a work of art, and it's taken a, a huge amount of uh, you know of determination, a lot of uh, innovation and ingenuity uh, to uh, build the tunnel as it always uh, as it always does. Um, so it's as we said, it's about uh, yes, three metres, three metres deep. So they've gone down three metres and then. You know, around 20 metres. You know, about about uh, you know past the you know past the fences. So um, yeah, that's kind of as much as we know about the tunnel itself. Uh, we know that they they had to uh, you know innovate uh, any of the materials. Like they didn't, they don't have you know sort of you know shovels or you know uh, crowbars or anything like that. That's not available to them. So everything they've done inside is uh, you know been done in the same way as. You know, prisoners of wars had to do it. Prisoners of war had to do it in, you know, in World War Two, and that's, I think, a point that I wanted to make. In other circumstances, these kinds of escape efforts have been uh, celebrated, and I think, um, in the same kind of way, we ne we need to uh, celebrate and support people who do want to escape uh, from, you know, detention centres, um, but to understand exactly why people do, you know, want to escape, uh, you know, because of the complete, you know, lack of rights and, uh, you know, the uh, the torture of uh, that, that um, detention, indefinite detention inflicts on people. Most concerning, Ian, and the reason why I actually invited you onto the show was not so much to speak in detail about the tunnel, although that is a, a trigger, but really to highlight the fact that the, the, the escape plan and the tunnel highlights the systematic abuse of long-term detention hidden behind the fences of these centres. Yeah, yes, uh, and I think that's what I've uh, sort of tried to do. Like, not so, as you say, not so much to talk about the tunnel, but to understand yeah. the circumstances of detention. You know, that drives people uh, to take such elaborate and extraordinary, extraordinary measures to escape the circumstances of detention. And uh, you just said you're going to be talking to Scott the next, the next uh, part of your program about indefinite detention and new laws that the government introduced last week. Uh, to uh, to um, maintain Australia's position, you know that indefinite detention is uh, lawful. Um, but uh, it's and it's certainly true 
example, that you look inside those detention centres and the degree of damage uh, that you know indefinite detention is you know is creating is uh, is extraordinary. You know, we've got people you know now nine, ten years, eleven years who are in detention. Um, you know, the average you know the time in detention is creeping up. The consequences for people being held where there's no there's no support, there's no rehabilitation, even the even the tiny elements that are available inside you know, the criminal uh, jurisdictions, even the kind of oversight that's available, you know, as paltry as it is uh, in, in the, the criminal justice system doesn't apply to immigration detention. So just as an example, so the government is, is vindictive. It's holding Iranian asylum seekers for years, even though that the government knows that they can't be returned to Iran. Can you talk about that? Yeah, look, there are there are many many examples. I mean, that's that's one example that you yeah. know, Iranians who uh, you know who have applied for asylum when they arrived, uh, you know, that can be now back in 2012. Some people who arrived in 2012 and were have been allowed to apply are only just being allowed to apply and giving interviews, you know, nine years, you know, nine years later. But let's say let's take an example where we have an Iranian asylum seeker who has been through the various processes, uh, has been. De- you know, to be negative. Now we can leave aside the, you know, the question of what that says about you know, refugee determinations themselves and the process. But what is the point of having an Iranian asylum seeker, even a failed Iranian asylum seeker, indefinitely, you know, in detention? The government isn't able to send him back or her back, you know, to, uh, you know, to Iran. Uh, but at the moment, all they do is face, you know, in uh, indefinite detention. Even though there, many of their compatriots, their other failed asylum seekers, have you know, various uh, nationalities who live in live in the community, can work in the community, cannot can go on with their lives. I mean, there are other examples of people who have refugee status uh, but are held uh, inside detention and effectively indefinitely because of the discretionary powers of the minister uh, to uh, you know grant you know the protection visas or to use character grounds, you know, to uh, not not to grant a visa. They uh, also the ability to use character grounds, you know, to to cancel visas and take asylum seekers and uh, refugees, you know, back back in detention. But the truth is, we've got a very large number of people, and I won't deal with the 501s. I can elaborate that a bit more if you want. But it's the same situation where. Um, they, we've got uh, you know, asylum seekers and refugees who are being held indefinitely in detention, rather than being released into the you know into the community, regardless of their you know their situation. Absolutely, and I believe that that there are visa cancellation powers, which allow asylum seekers and refugees to be punished twice. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, uh, let's just take one example of one guy I know very well in Yonge Hill. Um, he was, you know, found to be a refugee. He was actually released and living in in, in uh, the community, um, and uh, but he got he developed a drug problem. Uh, he got into an altercation with his uh, drug dealer. He was now being, you know, charged with he was charged and convicted on a couple of offences of willful damage. Uh, char- charge was one of them. Uh, now he did, he did time in prison. Um, he uh, at the completion of that sentence, uh, his his visa was cancelled on you know on character grounds. So he'd done done the crime. He'd done the time. Uh, instead of being released into the community like you know normally would happen under the criminal justice system, he's need now been back inside you know detention uh, for more years than 
he was he faced with the uh, with offences that he was you know convicted of, um, and uh, we've got that's one one example, but there are many other examples of people who, um, not just asylum seekers and uh, you know and refugees, but others and you know like the New Zealanders that have been very much in the news, who've got families here, had their whole life here, uh, again may have got into trouble with the law, served a, a you know a sentence of twelve months or longer. Instead of being released into the community, their visas are being, you know, are being cancelled in, in in large numbers and routinely, and increasingly the, the detention centres are are filling uh, with uh, you know, people whose visas have been cancelled. Either in the case of the 501s, uh, so-called you know sort of criminal you know cancellations or similar cancellations for people who are on the you know asylum uh, on bridging visas as asylum seekers or you know they're refugee on you know, refugees on bridging visas or um, protection visas. So uh, it's, a, it's a complicated situation, but, it, but, it, uh, but the bottom line is, as you put it, you've got a detention centres which uh, provide a way of um, more, pa- more power to actually punish people than what exists uh, for in you know, the criminal justice system. And the tunnel is, of course, indicative of the severe mental health Problems that asylum seekers have. Were there any escapes made? No, not not through the tunnel. I mean, actually, there was, was a Vietnamese uh, who. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, I do think yeah. it's a pity as well, and a lot of people inside Younger Hills only think it's uh, you know it's a pity. Um, and uh, not that escaping, you know, would have been a you know, simple no, no. Uh, for you know, for anyone who uh, who had escaped. But, but uh, quite a number of Vietnamese did escape from Yonger Hill, um, maybe six or seven years ago. Um, they've managed to make a life in the you know in the community since the escape. A Vietnamese actually only about uh, six weeks ago escaped from Yonger Hill, um, and you know so far has been making a life for themselves you know in the community. And um, but again, I think the the point is what actually drives people. It's far more rational to dig a tunnel to get out of the detention centre than we find in so many other cases of people, you know, self-harming or even, you know, attempting suicide uh, or just facing, you know, a spiralling downwards of their, you know, of their mental health and taking increasing, you know, loads of medication to try and cope with the the, uh, despair that detention creates. Ian, thank you so much for coming onto the program and... I think what's important here, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that really this tunnel highlights the toxic and horribly violation, horrible violation of human rights. It's it's indicative of uh, of prisoners of war. It, it could even be looked at in terms of the what they used to do in the Holocaust. Um, look, I think there are there are similarities. There's no doubt, oh. doubt about that. Um, you know, with the prisoner of war camps, I think there's a distinction to be made about the actual extermination camps. People aren't exterminated in the uh, detention no, no. centres, yeah. but they have their mental health, you know, robbed robbed from them, um, and the the consequences are every every bit as you know as devastating. We just see that with the attempted you know suicides. One day that uh, Yonga Hill and the tunnel uh, will be open to the public, and people will be able to see the horrific conditions that were inflicted on asylum seekers and refugees, and we'll be able to see the tunnel, hopefully, uh, as an example of the, um, you know, the, the, the determination and uh, ingenuity of uh, the people who we, um, uh, well, not we, the people the government holds in the detention centres. 
Thank you so much, Ian. It, it was lovely to have you, and we'll, we'll no talk worries. to you again soon. Yeah, thanks, Marissa. Bye Thanks bye. a lot. Take care. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. More than 70 innocent refugees are still being indefinitely detained in detention centres and secure hotels around Australia. Over recent months, many fellow detainees have been released onto bridging visas. Those remaining are desperate to know why they are still held. It is indefinite, it is cruel, and it is unlawful. Every day, a group of supporters protests this brutality outside the Park Hotel at 701 Swanson Street, Melbourne, where 11 men remain trapped and whose hopes are fading and whose mental health is declining. The aim of the protests is to raise awareness of the situation for the general public, but also to show support and solidarity to the men inside. It is also for the approximately 200 refugees still held offshore. Please come along any weeknight at 6pm or weekend at 3pm. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And this show is actually dedicated to asylum seekers and refugees. It's approximately 4.17 and we're going to be speaking very soon with... Scott Cosgrove, who is the senior lawyer at the Human Rights Law Centre. Basically, just to give little um, listeners a bit of an outline, the Morrison government has to, has rushed through legislation that will allow it to lock up refugees in detention centres, potentially for the rest of their lives. And as we'll be speaking with Scott, with Scott, the legislation one of, is one of the first laws passed under New Home Affairs Minister Karen Andrews which continues the previous minister, Peter Dutton's legacy of punitive action towards refugees. And I've taken the liberty of actually quoting from the Human Rights Media release there. Hello, Scott. Welcome to the program. Good to be with you. It's lovely to have you. I was getting a bit tongue-tied there because you, you've actually got the same name as the Prime Minister. I won't hold it against you. Uh, look, I don't, <laughs> don't enjoy when people remind me of that. Um, no, no, uh, no. It's lovely. That it's. I'm honoured. It's lovely to have you. Now, I'm wondering if you could just um, start off by by talking about what's happening with this particular piece of legislation. How far has it has it gone so far? Well, this is legislation that was rushed through Parliament last week. It was only introduced in the last sitting week of Parliament, and then within days of coming back to. Parliament, it was rushed through, and now it's going to become the law of the land. As you said in your introduction there, it's it's the first we've seen from the new Home Affairs Minister, that's Karen Andrews, and it's legislation that, in effect, is just going to mean more refugees um, stuck in detention centres around the country in Australia. Um, so deeply disappointing um, that it has passed. Um, it's also legislation that is a response to something quite specific. It's a response to uh, litigation in the courts, challenging the lifetime detention of refugees. And this legislation is really uh, designed to shield the Morrison government from those legal challenges. I have never heard of such a punitive piece of legislation such as this, Scott. Yeah, it's it's fairly extreme. Uh, the f legal framework for detaining non-citizens in Australia is already really extreme. Uh, 
and this makes it worse, and it's part of a disturbing trend. If you go back a few years ago to 2012, less than 3% of the people who were in immigration detention had been there for more than two years. It was a very unusual situation to find someone who'd been detained for that long. But in the years since then, it's gone up to almost 30%. 30% of the people you find there have been there for two years or more. That's roughly the average as well. And uh, we're starting to see situations where people in immigration detention, including many refugees, have been there for six years, seven years, eight years, nine years. Um, that is a real worry. It's orders of magnitude more than some of the countries that Australia likes to compare itself to. Um, for, for example, if you look at the UK or Canada, someone gets detained uh, in immigration detention in one of those countries, and it's typically a matter of days or weeks. Um, so it's uh, the consequences really couldn't be more serious. We're talking about lives on the line, lives that are completely controlled by our government, people who have often lived most of their lives in Australia, people who are often separated from their families and condemned to indefinite detention. And just to clarify that, so the Migration Amendment clarifying international obligations for removal bill 2021, is that what it is? That's the one. And it targets refugees in immigration detention who can't return to their home countries because of a risk of persecution. That's right. It, the, the bill really does two things. Um, the, the government says that it protects people from being sent to their home countries but it really makes the situation worse by meaning that although they won't be sent to their home countries, they can be held in immigration detention. And on top of that, it also gives the government a new power to reopen and, um, and uh, overturn decisions about refugee status. So the typical situation that a person affected by this legislation might face is that they have the choice of either voluntarily putting their hand up and returning to their home countries in, dis in, in spite of the government's recognition that they're going to be persecuted there, or they can um, stay in detention in Australia uh, for, for the rest of their lives. Wow, that's... Uh... That's really concerning. It's, it's actually very punitive. And my concern also is that, and I think you, you touched on this, that the legislation, um, the Morrison government can actually not, no longer have legal challenges made against it in the courts. Yeah, that, that's right. This is something to shield detention from legal challenges. It's trying to make it uh, less of a space that's not really governed by law, other than to say that the government can do what it wants. I, I think the law really needs to recognise that our liberty is precious, that all of us deserve to live in a place where depriving someone of their liberty is treated with the utmost importance, and the law reflects that. We want to see detention treated as a last resort and to make sure that there are safeguards, review rights, and, um, uh, and and legal assistance to make sure that when 
detention does happen, it can only happen in some very narrowly defined circumstances. But this legislation really continues the trend of taking Australia in the opposite direction, making it so that immigration detention can't be reviewed, so that the government doesn't have any obligation to consider whether it's appropriate to detain someone or whether it's appropriate to continue to detain someone. Um, and uh, that's something that's really out of step with our with our legal traditions. Um, it's not something that you find in other areas of the law, and it's something that um, really needs um, serious reckoning with um, in the years ahead. Can you are you able to comment on the federal budget? And I, I raise this question because it is in some ways connected because of the fact that the Morrison government isn't really looking at providing any, any spending for refugees and asylum seekers and is, in fact, spending lots of money um, warehousing these people rather than having them letting them go into the community. Yeah. It's, it's a good point about the budget. You're right that there was very little money for, um, for, for supporting refugees, very little money for Australia's refugee intake, uh, our resettlement program. But um, it's no accident that the budget was delivered last week, the same week that that legislation passed, because it contained more money for locking people up. And uh, that's a very clear picture of how the government has its priorities wrong here. There was more money for simply operating the detention facilities, but there's um, an extra $464 million for expanding the detention network. And on top of that, money continues to flow for offshore detention. Now, no one new has been sent to offshore detention since 2014, but still, there's more than $800 million put aside for that policy this year. And if you look at the fact that there's barely 100 people um, in both PNG and Nauru now, that's expenditure of, of more than $3 million per person still held offshore for just one year and the ninth year of the policy. So I, I don't want to get too hung up on money because if these policies were cheap, no, no. They're, still, they're still wrong and they're still harmful. But yes, they're eye-wateringly expensive and it's money that um, we could be using in much more constructive ways and it's something that really bears keeping in mind whenever we hear um, politicians tell us that there's not enough money to do things that could really help people. But that's precisely why I've mentioned it because the Morrison government has the audacity to put through these new laws and they've, they've passed, correct? These new laws have passed? That's right. They passed last week. Oh, that's, that's really chilling, Scott. It's really, really chilling. Now, I'm wondering, just in case we have new listeners that have joined us who don't really know very much about asylum seekers and refugees and what's happening, could you just explain... You've explained the new law. Prior to these new laws being rushed in, what was happening with, with asylum seekers? Could they still be held um, for life? Well... The immigration and detention um, was already in a pretty uh, extreme place um, before last week um, compared to other countries. One of the reasons for that is that we don't have any protected, any, any charter of rights or any legal 
um, protections for, for our rights in Australian law. This legislation really just takes it one step further. It means that some people who otherwise may have had a legal pathway out of detention now don't have it. It, it gives the Minister for Home Affairs the, the power to throw away the key. Um, but, uh, but, but fundamentally, our, our detention system really just turns on whether or not you have a visa. It doesn't consider what it should, which is, is it appropriate to detain this person? Is it necessary? Is it proportionate? And once you've detained someone, should you continue detaining them? Can a court um, uh, review whether it continues to be appropriate? We don't have any of these things in Australia in Australian law. We really just give it all to um, to the minister and hope that it turns out right. But in a situation where you see people with no trial detained for you know five, six, seven, or more years, um, that's all the evidence you need that something something is broken. Absolutely. And, and indeed, there's no justification, is there, to give the Minister a new power to cancel refugee status? No, there's not. Re refugee status is precious and it is, um, it, it, it's created in international law, which is agreed by more than 200 countries. It, cannot, it, it has to mean something. Uh, it can't be interfered with day-to-day, uh, -day, depending on the whim of the minister of the day. Um, so that's the other disappointing side of this legislation. It means that having refugee status in Australia is, uh, gives you a little bit less safety and security uh, than it did before. Well, what can I say? And, and, and what can we do to try and overturn these laws? Well, I know for a lot of your listeners who follow these issues closely and for the people who are directly affected, um, sometimes it really feels like there's very little hope, especially in moments like this when there's another um, damaging and regressive step. But I we're still fortunate to live in a place where politicians care about what the public thinks. And I think in some of the most important legal changes that have affected refugees in the last decade, we're talking about legislation that has passed parliament or not passed parliament due to a single vote one way or another. So I think what people, what members of the public think and say continues to be really important. So make sure these issues... Uh, can't just go by without the government being held to account. And that involves reading about them, talking to your friends about them, talking to your family, contacting your MPs. Um, join one of the many great groups that are working towards improving um, the, the, what Australia holds for refugees and also get behind um, some of the refugee-led initiatives, refugee-led business and advocacy groups, um, so that they can make their voices heard at higher levels too. Look, we're all, we're trying to, to to be positive about this, but it, this is this is actually not not very good. What's happened? It's it's certainly not very good. It's um, it's deeply disappointing to know that as a result of this change, you're going to have some people who are um, who have less of a crack at liberty 
and people who are going to have to make that terrible choice between um, staying in detention for years or returning to danger. Absolutely. And just one last question. In regards to refugees and asylum seekers, does that mean they still have the option to, to go back to the country where they were persecuted? Well, refugee status means protection from being forced to do that. And mm. people who seek asylum... It's not really an option. You know, yeah. it's, it's heartbreaking <laughs> to leave your country behind, as anyone could imagine. But people who seek asylum tend to be resigned to the fact that it's, it's rarely going to be safe to return. Um, but this is really... Uh, this sort of terrible choice that people are forced to make as a result of this legislation is one between, you know, running the risk of what might happen if you do return including perhaps being detained for years or simply being detained for years in Australia. So it's, it's another way to make re treatment of refugees in Australia just as bad as the kind of situations that people flee from. Yes, Australia is very, very good at incarceration and historically we've, you know, Australia has proved that since 1788. That's right. Scott, thank you so much for coming onto the program. It's lovely to have you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks a lot. Take care. 3CR. I think Welcome to Country is a very dangerous concept and initiative. I really don't know where Welcome to Country even merged from. I know that I don't think it was a, obviously an Aboriginal initiative. I think obviously governments had uh, introduced that as they were pacifying our flag of resistance. You know, the idealism that lies behind that obviously is so that white people can feel a sense that they're more guests and they've got a right of ownership and to be here. If we're going to continuously welcome them to country, what that does, it rectitudes the fact of the moral racism issues in which they perpetrate against our people because how can we be talking about all these other issues and then compromise a hypocrisy in our own selves to welcome these murderers and these uh, slave traders and this barbaric sense of what they've done to occupy Australia on one hand and, and welcome them on the other. You're listening to Radical Radio 3CR. Add your support during our annual Radiothon and be part of community-powered radio. 3CR Radiothon Fundraiser, June 2021. To donate, call 03 9419 8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au. 3CR Radiothon, community-powered radio. and I'm talking to you from a tree seat 40 metres high in the Arinandra Plateau. 
I'm here with other activists because we want to stop what Big Forest is planning to do, which is to destroy 60 new areas in one of the last refuges of unburned forest in East Gippsland. We're calling the state government to protect all unburned areas of East Gippsland. If you want to get involved, contact Gecko at gecko.org.au and join the campaign. A 3CR supporter. And you're back with the Doing Time show. So, yeah, we were just speaking with, with Scott Cosgrove from the Human Rights Law Centre about the, the federal budget and, you know, how that's connected with what's been happening with this new legislation that was rushed through in regards to having asylum seekers in detention staying there for life. And it really is a, a very horrible, punitive piece of legislation. But going on from that, um, I'm going to be reading out now a media release from People with Disability Australia and what People with Disability Australia wants from the federal budget. So this organisation has released a list of asks for the next federal, bu- federal budget and... Basically, People with Disability Australia has released a list of asks for the next federal budget in a document called A Fair Go for People with Disability. The Disabled People's Organisation is calling for a raft of measures to be urgently funded and implemented to meet Australia's responsibilities under the United Nations Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disability. PWDA President Samantha Connor said today that widespread improvements to many disability policy areas were urgently required, but they must be developed in conjunction with people with disability. Over the past six months, the National Disability Insurance Agency has been trying to ram through changes to the NDIS that were designed without meaningful input from disabled people and which will almost certainly result in perverse outcomes, Ms Connor said. We need a seat at the table to talk about any proposed changes to our NDIS, to have full access to the scheme's raw data, to enter into legitimate co-design processes if any changes are required, and to be sufficiently resourced in order to do so. PWDA and the entire disability sector is united in standing against changes which will adversely affect people with disability, especially exceptionally marginalised groups. Like other disability organisations, PWDA has been lobbying the Australian Government to urgently prevent sweeping changes to the National Disability Insurance Scheme. PWDA is among 11 key disability sector organisations that called on Government to halt its plans for so-called NDIS independent assessments. The group last week put its foot down setting its terms of engagement for any future cooperation with the Government. The Government's proposed privatised assessment system has been robustly blasted by people with disability, their families, academics, service providers and allied health professionals. Use the budget to level the playing field. People with Disability Australia will be one of the first organisations to see the latest federal budget and will enter the budget lock-up um, on Tuesday. And just letting you know that this particular media release was written a couple of days before the budget, and this was deliberate on my part just to show listeners what people with disability were wanting from the budget. And I'll just now continue on. 
It will be the only disability organisation in the lockdown. Ms Connor will attend the budget lockdown in Canberra. The budget will be critically important for many disabled Australians who are facing heightened anxiety and significant disadvantage during a period of disruption, unrest and fear about the pandemic, she said. We call upon government to ensure that we are able to access society on a level playing field, get the support we need and to have a fair go just like other Australians. For PWDA's take on the latest federal bu budget, um, contact us for comment. And, yeah, just um, Google People with Disability Australia. And, of course, the budget has now happened and a lot of money has actually been taken from the public sector. And as um, Scott Cosgrove said um, in his opening comments, um, Scott Cosgrove from the Human Rights Law Centre, he said was saying that the budget is more geared towards incarceration rather than putting money into the public sector and into refugees and asylum seekers and indeed um, into um, Aboriginal-led programs as well. And I think we're now going to have a short break. Hi, we're the Marindas and you're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM. The Rainbow Door is a free, culturally safe, specialist helpline for all LGBTIQA Victorians. The helpline provides information, support and referral from experienced peer workers on issues including mental health, family violence, relationships, suicide prevention and sexual assault. For information, support and referral, call the Rainbow Door on 1800 729 367. That's 1800 729 367. 10am to 6pm every day. Switchboard is a 3CR supporter. There are many ways that you can keep up to date with 3CR news, events and programs. With Facebook stripping content, it's a timely reminder to focus on the communication channels and platforms that the community controls. The 3CR website is a great spot to catch all your shows via audio on demand or scroll through our range of podcasts. It's also where you can sign up to our monthly newsletter, buy yourself a new t-shirt or check out archival audio from past broadcasts. Of course, we're also on Twitter at 3CR and Instagram at 3CR Melbourne. But don't forget our mighty AM band. Catch us anytime on 855 AM. Keep in touch. 3cr.org.au
Listening to Radical Radio 3CR, and you're ba- you're back with the Doing Time Show. It's approximately four forty-six, and we're actually meant to have um, Marion McKay coming on today to talk about the federal budget for First Nations people, but she has has been held up. So sending out a, a cheerio to Marion, who's going through a little bit of a tough time, um, and she's in in Western Australia. A wonderful. Um, First Nations activist, and her father too, um, uncle, who's actually been on the show quite a few times, and he, he hasn't been well. It's approximately 4.46, and I just wanted to make a quick announcement before we finish in regards to 3CR's Radiothon that's coming up. So it's really important to support community-powered radio in June 2021, and I know I'm starting early. Um, our show is actually on um, in June, on the 14th of June, and our target is $850. And basically, um, we need people to start thinking about donating to 3CR to keep our 
radio show, and not just our radio show, but the radio station on air for another year. And we need to raise critical funds to keep the station going. So tax deductible, it's tax, donations are tax deductible, and your donation will power independent community media that drives dissent and creates change. And I know listeners might be thinking, why is she starting so early? But, you know, we are in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, a lot of people had it really tough last year and a lot of people lost their jobs and it's been really, really difficult for everybody. And I realise and am sensitive to the fact that, you know, that a lot of people just don't have a lot of money. But despite that, I'm hoping that we can um, have have our radiothon this year and that people who can and are able to, it, it would be lovely if, if you could donate. And it's approximately 4.48 and we're going to be now um, having another short break. So it's up to us, the people. We need a treaty in this country. We need the end to the war in this country. And the only way we can do that is through a peace treaty. Not the one you see in Victoria, not the one you see in Queensland, not the one you see in the Northern Territory, because they talk treaty and still lock our people up. They still kill our people. They still desecrate our land and our water. A treaty means peace. A treaty means equality. And a treaty means justice. Thank you. Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. On Thursday, the 20th of May, Wyndham Humanitarian Network is holding a free Bring Your Bills Day in Wyndham Vale. Members of the community who have had questions about bills or debts can attend the event to speak to lawyers, financial counsellors, ombudsman schemes and other community organisations. The event will run from 11.30am to 7.30pm on Thursday the 20th of May at the Warangal Darung Centre at 19 Communal Road, Wyndham Vale. Wyndham Vale Humanitarian Network is a 3CR supporter. For the first time in Victoria, nine musicians from different ethnicities are presenting a full program of live classical Arabic music. Be part of this unique opportunity while you enjoy options of fine dining with a spectacular sea view and more importantly, support Australia's only centre 
that promotes mutual understanding between Australians and Arabs via arts and knowledge. For information and booking, text us on 0423-456-300. 0423-456-300. Join us Saturday, 22nd of May, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Waterfront on the Pier. Brought to you by Averroes Center of Arab Culture. A 3CR supporter. CR's annual Radiothon fundraiser launches in June, and this year we're asking you to be part of community-powered radio. It's only with your support that we're able to be independent, community-controlled, and focused on people rather than profits. Your support during Radiothon powers the station to give voice to hundreds of people and issues for another year. And remember, any amount you can afford makes a big difference, and all donations over $2 are tax-deductible. 3CR Radiothon. Show your support during June 2021. 3CR Community Powered Radio. And you're back with the Do and Time show. It's approximately 4.52. Nearly time to end the show. And I'd like to thank our guests for coming on. First of all, we want, I wanted to thank Ian Rintel. Uh, from the Refugee Action Coalition and also thanking Scott Cosgrove from the Human Rights Law Centre. And these were extremely challenging topics looking at refugees and asylum seekers and I still can't believe that that legislation actually went through um, in regards to um, detaining and punishing refugees on an indefinite basis. So we need 3CR more than ever. Um, in regards to that and also other issues as well. In the next couple of weeks, I'm hoping to bring you some further coverage about some of the draconian laws that have passed in the Northern Territory in regards to locking children up and changing the, um, looking at the bail laws as well. But, yeah, so stay tuned for that. Um, but in the meantime, it's um, goodbye from Marissa and we'll be going out with our theme song pretty soon. Um, Black Fella, White Fella by the Rumpy Band. And stay tuned every Monday from 4 to 5 for the Doing Time show. Fairly relaxed show today. Lots of articles and um, hoping that you'll be staying tuned next Monday again for the show. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye. Are you the one who's gonna stay?
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.